really three types of opposition we're going to find and Nehemiah's answers for it. Now, we're not building the wall in Jerusalem, but all of us are involved in building. We're building families. We're building relationships. We're building community. We're involved in building this faith community here at Dural. And in that journey, there are going to be people who are going to oppose what's going on. And so tonight, I just want to quickly look at, at three ways that they sought to limit Nehemiah, the opposition, and then equally have a look at his response to that. So these are the tactics of intimidation, because this is what this is about. This is trying to intimidate someone to stop doing what they've been called to do, what they believe God, in this case, God has called them to do. And so intimidation is really just that, that attempt to compel or deter someone by threat. So the first one is the, physical, the personal request which is disguised as a physical threat. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message, come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono, in chapter 6 and verse 2. Now, as, as the text says, and Nehemiah writing this says, they did four times. They invited me out. Now, the simple answer to this is the fact that, of course, Ono was about a day's journey out of where he was in Jerusalem and another day to get back and at least a day in conference. He was going to be away for at least three days in a working week of six days. So, you know, what, what's this about? Well, in a sense, what this is about, of course, is to seek to distract him. Let's get him away from the, from the focus he's on. Let's get his leadership out of there for a moment and let's end that. Let's diminish his authority as a leader. Now, I don't talk about taking holidays in Hawaii, but the amount of press that that holiday in Hawaii earlier this year has generated, there was a sense of, where is he? Why isn't he here leading us? And I suspect that's why every day Scott Morrison's on the telly at the moment. I'm here with you. Because there was a recognition now that was a blunder of some sort. He was the leader, not there. And see, that's what's going on here. How do we get this leader out of the action? How do we do that? Well, Nehemiah was wise enough not to fall into that trap. And I'll return in a moment to, to his methodology in that. But here's the question for you and for me. How are people trying to distract me? What are the distractions that, that can keep me or cause me to lose focus on what I'm about? One thing, now, we all live with those distractions, don't they? You know what it's like. You're in the office, you're doing some work, someone comes to the door, you're in the middle of doing something critical and that person demands attention. Well, for many of us, unfortunately, it's even, even our, our use of technology, it's amazing, isn't it, how the phone will capture our attention. The click that says, I've got an email, causes me to stop what I'm doing to have a look at this, this email. We live in a world with so many distractions. I wonder, how do you cope with that? How do I cope with that? How do I try and make sure I stay on focus, on song? What are the things? The second thing that they sought to do, after four times of inviting him out, on the fifth occasion, there's an open letter. There's a letter with the implied rumour to destroy his reputation. Sam Ballot sent his aide to me with the same message in his hand that was an unsealed letter, and that's the critical thing, an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king. Now this report will go back to the king, so come, let us confer together. <laughs> I love this. There's such a lack of subtlety in this, isn't there, really? But when you think about it, what was going on here? 
an open letter. This was not a sealed letter. See, normally if you were going to, in that era, you're going to send a, an important document, you would have sealed it so it was private. And here Samballot makes the point that this is no longer sealed. Everyone who handles this letter on its long journey from here back to Persia, they're going to get to read it. They're going to read what some people are saying about you. I love that text. It says, it is reported among the nations. Man, how many times haven't you heard that? A few people are saying to me, a number of people have indicated, whole communities of people are suggesting this. You know, the, that, that subtle thing about the rumour. Here's the rumour, Nehemiah. You're setting yourself up to be the king and we're going to spread that rumour now. We're going to keep that rumour moving all the way along. If you don't come out and talk to us, guess what? That letter's going to go. Wow, the power of the rumour, particularly in our current technology, eh? you know, the, the stuff that moves around. Th those emails you've received that I've received, that's to me personally, but 150,000 people have been copied in. I got a, an email recently from a fellow who was complaining about some behaviour in some Baptist church. It was a Baptist church in a particular state, so he sent it to the the uh, the leader of the church in that state then he sent it to me in terms of australia then he sent it to the secretary of the baptist world alliance so internationally it was just it's one you know it's like whoa okay what's going on here except that i really want to intimidate you people i really want to get my way i really want to stop you so i'm going to generate this rumor they're killers aren't they i dealt with an issue where a pastor and one church member had a disagreement. And over time, they came together and they worked that out wonderfully. The trouble was, but when the complaint was first sent, it was copied into the whole of the church. And so even though the person who felt they'd been offended by the pastor, they had arrived at, at a resolution to that, there were now about another 150 people who were involved in that. You think, this, this is crazy, this stuff, isn't it? So one of the challenges for me as I think about this is, what's my part in keeping rumours going? To what extent do I live in that space as well? Did you hear about, did you know, I heard this. A few people have been saying to me, well, we're going to have to see in a moment how Nehemiah deals with that one. And then finally, the third way was this dire warning with a purpose to make Nehemiah compromise his position. So he meets with this, who he thought was a friend, who he thought was certainly a colleague who he knew, this prophet, and he visits him in his home. So there's clearly a relationship there, some kind of friendship, companionship of some sort that has Nehemiah meet him. And then he says this, and he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple's doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they're coming to kill you. The aim was here to get Nehemiah to run, to go and seek sanctuary in the temple, even though Nehemiah knew that that was illegal. He couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. He couldn't go into some other place because that was only for priests and Nehemiah was a layman. He had no right to do that. But here was an attempt to, to make Nehemiah compromise his position and to put it in a place where his integrity would be questioned because of what he'd done. So I say to myself, 
where am I being compromised? What, what, where, where are the people, where are the situations that are seeking to make me compromise and do something which I know is not the right thing to do, but I just felt compelled by the fact this was a close colleague, someone I knew really well, and so I responded to that. And now in hindsight recognise that I really did myself and the cause I believed in enormous disservice. You see, there's something so contemporary about this, isn't there? As I've contemporised it. But as you read the text and you unpackage some of that, you say to yourself, my goodness, this, this is so contemporary for you and for me in terms of the situations we find ourselves in. Yes, we're committed to this cause. Yes, we're committed to this purpose. Yes, this is our vision. This is, this is what we're going to do. And yet, we find ourselves now being, being as it were, pushed intimidated to not persist in that. Now, you can fill that out with your own character and that in terms of your own personal story. And whether we, th we think about that now as a collective, as a part of this community of faith here. But let's go and see. Here are Nehemiah's responses. Here's, here's the strategies for perseverance. Here's the way to continue in. So the first one, okay, so they invited him out four times. Come on out, come on out. What does he say? He says, but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messages to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to go down to you? I love that. I'm doing a great thing. Now, he's not talking himself up. He recognises but that this call that's on him from God is a great thing because he serves a great God. And no matter what bit you and I might feel we're serving, and we might think that's not particularly significant in the scheme of things, but to the extent that it's God's direction for you and for me, it's a great thing. Because the greatness is, is the giver. I can't believe at times what God asks me to do. And it's not about me. It's about my sense of, God, there's better people around than me. You know me. And you're asking me to do this. But see, God doesn't let us disqualify ourselves. And we ought to let other people disqualify us by seeking to distract us from what he's called us to do. My father-in-law, who's a good bloke, when Marilyn and I, when I said to him, I'm leaving teaching and I'm going to go to the Baptist Bible College, Theological College, he just went, that is crazy. Why would you want to do that? Because we thought, well, we have a sense God's calling us to overseas service. Oh, not the missionary barrel. Now, for those who don't know that, the missionary barrel idea was it was a barrel that poor missionaries come and would get clothes out of. You know, it's a bit old hat now. And I never saw one of those in my time, but my father-in-law must have been aware of them. So here was a pushback from someone who, who was genuinely interested in us and cared for us. But here was a sense of, no, no, don't do that. We had to deny his request. We said, look, we hear you, but this is what we believe God's calling us to do. See, here's Nehemiah's response to this. When someone's distract you from what you know God has called you to do, just say no. I know what God's called me to do. I know what God's called us to do. As people want to distract us from this wonderful, great work of helping other people discover life, of transformation, of hope, of renewal, because that's what Jesus does for all of us, we have to say no. We have to say, no, you're not going to distract us from that. 
This is the most important thing that I can ever be involved in. This has got eternal consequences. No. No, I'm going to push back and say no. I'm going to refocus on what it is that God's calling me to do and I'm not going to let that happen. Larry and Jan Martin were workers with our Australian Baptist Global Interaction Mission Society in the time I was working with them. They'd worked in Thailand for a number of years amongst Hill Tribe people, Corinne and others, who'd come to faith, and they said, but hang on, hang on, what about all those ethnic Thai people? To be Thai is to be Buddhist. So they're Buddhists. And they said, well, where's the opportunity for these people to hear anything about who Jesus is? So we're going to move out to a village, way out in the boondocks, where there's no evidence of the church at all, and we're going to start work there. Well, the opposition they got from both within the mission society, from other mission societies, from colleagues. You can't do that. You can't leave those people. They need you in your leadership roles. No, no, you can't do that. I've got to say now, and that was about 15 years ago, because of their commitment to do that, there are now six faith communities, six little churches, like they don't look in it like we call a church, comprised of those rice-farming Buddhist ties who've come to understand the hope in Jesus. When I think back now to Larry and Jan's commitment to push back on the distractors and say, no, 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 we're going to keep going, I'm so grateful for people who persevere, who have a sense of, no, no, God's doing a great work here and I'm not going to deflect to it, I'm not going to miss it. The second thing was this issue of the rumour. The rumour. So here's the rumour. It's going to go out in this open letter. It's going to go all the way around, right, to Persia. You're going to cop it when the king hears about this. Nehemiah, you're going to be called back to Susa. You're finished. You better come and talk to us. You better come and let us agree that you're going to stop doing what you're doing. Otherwise, we're going to send the letter. So he says, I sent him this reply, verse 8. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. Boy, we live in a world of misinformation, don't we? <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff is unbelievable, and so we dismiss that quickly. Some of it's almost believable, so it captures us. This whole thing about, about is it true or isn't it true? I mean, the number of times you, as I said, and I have had, if people, a group of people are saying this. A group of people are saying this. I've, de I've developed a habit now of saying, who are the people who are saying this? An episode just last year with some colleague in Queensland who wrote to me about, emailed me about some things we were doing from Crossover. You know, we have the Easter appeal through Crossover. We had this video. And anyway, there was something in it that offended some people, which we didn't purposely want to offend, but there you go. Anyway, this guy got in touch with me. He said, Keith, Keith, you're out. And I said, he said, a number of churches in Queensland are concerned about this. And I said, which churches? Oh, I can't tell you that. I said, no, I can't deal with it then if you can't tell me. And that's often what I find what happens with the rumour. No, who, who's saying that? Where are they getting their information from? Stop the rumour. And then equally I say to myself, Keith, don't, uh, don't continue to circulate the rumour. Don't do it. Reject the misinformation. Don't do it. You see, here we, we can learn something about ourselves in this, really. <laughs> we need to honestly examine ourselves at times to ask ourselves about what are we saying about others and why are we saying that. 
Oh, man. Why, why? Why have I allowed that to run? Why have I sort of agreed to it? It's not a good look. It's an awful thing to be doing, and we need to be very careful about that. The third thing that uh, Nehemiah does is, is this whole issue of this, this close friend, or acquaintance at least, who acts as a prophet, who prophesies over him, Nehemiah, you need to do this. You need to get to the temple. You need to be... I know people are coming to kill you. So what does he say? Verse 6 and 11. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. He had been hired to intimidate me that I would commit a sin by doing this and that would give me a bad name to discredit me. Yes. Yeah. Rebuke the temptation to compromise. I am not going to listen to that because I know the motives behind that are wrong. I know this person and I now know what's driving him to be suggesting that to me and therefore I'm not interested in following that. I think finally two things that I want to just say about perseverance in this. And we see it here so strongly in this in Nehemiah. And I want to say, what what is the key foundation for Nehemiah's perseverance? And, and I think for me, again, as we face crises like we're doing as a nation, as a world at the moment, how how do we persevere? If it's not that, what is it personally? Some issue that I'm facing, some situation. How do I persevere? Well, what does he say? Know the source of your confidence. Why am I confident about facing this? Why can I do this? Is it because I'm such a capable person? Rah, rah. No. No. Because I know who it is who does it. And what's he say? I realise that God had not sent him. See, here's this Nehemiah. We've already seen this characteristic over a number of weeks. And we'll keep seeing it. Here's a person who knows God personally, who walks with God. There's a constant repetition of, of Nehemiah in prayer at various stages. The challenge for you and for me is we're going to persevere in the things that we believe are critically important. It's going to depend on our faith in God, our journey with God. And now we need to, to strengthen ourselves in that, to be involved in places where we're encouraged about that. We're never meant to do it on our own. We're never meant to, to, to be strong enough to do this individually. We need to belong. Just before our service, we had a, a meeting of our small group leaders and carers, about 25 people. And it was immensely encouraging to hear the comments being made by the small group leaders about what, what's good out of your group, what, do you, what encourages you? Because I see people growing together. I see people deepening their faith in Jesus. I see people who are dealing with real-life trauma but are finding places where they're encouraged and strengthened. Nehemiah had a very real active commitment and knowledge of who God was for him. That's a challenge for you and for me. I wonder, do you know that? I mean, tonight, do you know who God is for you through Jesus? Has it been that place where you've come to the place where I can talk to God in a way which is absolutely personal and I hear back from him? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But, but if I haven't yet come to the place of knowing who Jesus is for me, then I miss that. I don't have that security. I don't have that hope. I don't have that perseverance. I think there's a lesson for us in Nehemiah's journey 
It's there's no substitute for a deep understanding that Jesus is the life giver, the hope bringer, the new life giver. Let me pray for us. Father, we uh, again just want to thank you. The words almost are inadequate, but there's all we have as we begin to again recognise your care, your love, your provision for us. Who are we that you would care about us? Except that you're our creator and you're our father and you're our life giver. And we thank you again tonight, Father, for your gift of your son, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to leave all the glory of heaven and come to earth to minister and then to suffer and to die. And we thank you for the resurrection. Father, thank you. Thank you for your gift of Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, my prayer for us all tonight is that as we face the challenges that come and the opposition that life brings, that, Father, you remind us of who you are for us, and we'll find our security in you as we understand who Jesus is for us. So we thank you. And now we pray just for that courage, that you would encourage us, give us courage to trust Jesus for whatever the future holds, for this day and the next day and the days that will come. So open us up now, Father, we pray, to the work of the Holy Spirit as he guides and will lead us in that still small voice within our own hearts. And we thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and worship. Lord, we just enter into you. Thank you, Jesus. 